0: Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 30th of September 2021 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Remember in the olden days when we could stand in a crowd of people, not worrying about catching a virus, and only watching to make sure our feet did not get stepped on? When we could join in public events and sing our hearts out with other people? This week, as we wander the streets of Hong Kong, we'll be reminded of some of the pitfalls we may have forgotten about when we look back on previous carefree times. The first story we'll hear is a duo from Ella and her grandson, Jacob, who stepped up to the microphone as though he belonged there. The second story is from way back in 2019 from Jessica, another story that shows a different side of public spaces. before we get to today's stories, though, a large and somewhat humid hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We really appreciate your support, and we are listening. Warm greetings go out to our worldwide listeners as well, this week in particular to listeners in Queens in New York in the USA, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, and Pune in India. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. We have a show tonight, which is sold out, but the stories will be podcasted eventually. So keep listening. More regular free workshops are coming up as well, and we will once again be part of the Hong Kong International Literary Festival in November. This year, our show will be on Friday, November 12th, and the tickets should be on sale soon. Find details as soon as they're available on the website festival.org.hk or on our website, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with a story from our September 2021 show that had the theme, Bustin' Out, here is Ella and Jacob.
1: My daughter, my son-in-law, and my grandchildren Changed the concrete jungle of New York for the concrete jungle of Hong Kong. Very soon after they moved, I came to see them. My dearest grandson Jacob, eight years old at that time, was my guide about this amazing city. I hadn't seen him for a year, and I enjoyed every moment of his company. We had so much fun together, walking around Hong Kong, uh, visiting different places of interest, eating out. That day, we decided to go to the Ferris wheel and to have our lunch at the Star Ferry Pier with fish and chips and lemonade. Jacob's parents do not usually allow him lemonade, but too sweet. But he liked lemonade so much, and I wanted to spoil him a little bit. I bought him the second one. We were... Chatting, eating, drinking our lemonade, to say that I was happy is to say nothing. I think that's what people feel when they're in paradise. After lunch, we went to the Ferris wheel. We had to line uh, for some 10, 15 minutes. There were quite a bit of people who wanted to take a ride, too. Jacob was absolutely excited. Were you not Jacob?
2: Yes, of course. (laughs) The attendant brought us into a rather small cabin with two benches facing each other. These benches could fit around three to four people each. After me and my grandma entered the cabin, a British family came into the same cabin as us. There was a father, a mother and a young boy. The father looked quite tall and slim and the mother looked pretty small, especially next to him. The young boy looked around my age at the time, which was eight years old, and he even had a familiar face, but I didn't seem to know where I knew him from. They all also looked very posh as they were dressed fashionably. (laughs) The ride did half a rotation and we were at the very top of the whole ride, me and my grandma were admiring the view of the beautiful city and the family across from us were taking pictures and happily having a conversation amongst themselves as the ride started to go down from the top i started to feel an urge to go to the toilet <laughs> the ride was about to do one full rotation which is when i expected the ride to end and for me to run as fast as i could to the nearest toilet however Little did I know, the ride did more than one rotation. (laughs) As the ride started to escalate again, my heart dropped. The urge was getting stronger every second, and I didn't know how much longer I could hold it in. I whispered to my grandma very nervously, I need to use the toilet really badly, and I don't know how much longer I could hold it in. Is there any way we could stop the ride early? She tried to calm me down by telling me it would only be another few minutes. This worked for a few seconds, but for the next minute or two, as we were descending, I was trying my best not to panic, and holding it in with all of my will. I thought hopefully the ride would end after two rotations, but that still wasn't the case. (laughs) I felt very helpless, and desperately asked my grandma again if there was any way to stop the ride early so I could use the toilet. The ride started to escalate again.
1: This hellish ride seemed to be endless. There must be an emergency button. What if somebody is unwell? What if somebody has a heart attack? What if somebody has a stroke when every minute matters? And I was looking for the emergency button everywhere. I checked the walls. I checked the window uh, panes. I, mm, I touched my finger under the bench. No, no emergency button. I was absolutely desperate. Why did I offer him the second glass of lemonade? Why did I not take Jacob to the bathroom before the ride? And in my despair, involuntarily, I looked at the English as if asking them for help. They did not say a word. They did not utter a sound, not a single muscle moved on their faces, and to attract the attention of the Ferris wheel workers, I started to bang the door and to bang the windows.
2: My next thought was that maybe I would just let a little bit out and no one would notice, and then I could hold it in until the ride was over. As I started to let a little bit out, I felt my legs becoming more and more wet rapidly I looked down, my light grey pants became much darker. And I looked even further down, and there was a large pool of pee right in between me and the boy sitting in front of me. I was panicking in my head, thinking that what if this boy knew anyone I knew? How would I be able to live with the shame, let alone if my parents found out about this incident? All this was like a horror story. I definitely shouldn't have had that second lemonade. What was I thinking? The ride was finishing up its third and final rotation and we were all there just sitting in our embarrassment. No words spoken at all. The ride finally ended and me and my grandma rushed out of the cabin and as we were leaving, the father of the British family across from us said, the toilet is
1: around the corner, mate. We went to the toilet, but it was too late. Jacob's pants were wet. And we didn't have a spare one to change into. I was ready to pay anything for a pair of trousers for an eight-year-old boy. But it's not that you can do that at every corner in Hong Kong. (laughs) And I thought that the best would be to go back home to Discovery Bay. I had a feeling that everybody was looking at us. Some with disdain, some with repulsion. Some with sympathy. That day, we went to bed early to forget...
2: The shame and embarrassment.
1: And despair that it brought us. Now, when Jacob is 15, this pee pee horror story turned into a comedy. And we laugh a lot when we sometimes talk about it. This summer, we decided to refresh our memories. And we went to the Ferris wheel. The attendant showed us into the, uh, into the cabin and said, the emergency button is up there and pointed to the ceiling.
0: Just remember, Hong Kongers, wear your mask, use your hand sanitizer, and just say no to that second lemonade. If you want to tell your story as well as Ella and Jacob did, make your way over to one of our free workshops. You can find them on Meetup or through the Meetup link on our website, hongkongstories.com. Now with the story first published in December 2019, here is Jessica.
3: In times of stress, many people turn to faith. After a really difficult 2016, I wanted to reconnect with my Catholic roots. I just needed a sign, but I hadn't really found a church that I liked since I was in college, but my friend recommended his church to me in lower Manhattan in New York, so I figured I'd give it a try. Mass is at 6.30 p.m., which is perfect for me because I like long, leisurely Sunday mornings. I bounce up the marble stairs, which glisten with a warm pink glow in the evening sunset. The church is in a beautiful white stone building with wide columns, a large ornate fence, and it's nestled in between two brown stones. The inside is stunning. Stunning. The kaleidoscopic light from the stained glass windows dances across the dark wooden pews. The choir sings in dulcet tones, so peaceful, so soothing. I'm entranced. Gorgeous? Check. Good music? Check. But I shouldn't base my decisions on such superficiality. Then... At the wine and cheese following the mass? That's right. They had a wine and cheese. They have this little mini Christmas market. All of the proceeds go to Guatemalan refugees. Right values? Check. And the wine and cheese? It has to be a sign. Okay. There's a lot of good things about this church. But would I get along with my fellow parishioners? I then spend the next hour and a half having awesome conversations and making friends, talking about how to organize to support immigrant communities in New York and the status of Christians in China. I am in love. So infatuated am I that I don't even realize how late it's getting. It's already 9 o'clock at night. It's just me and a few members of the parish council. I say my goodbyes and make my way towards the door. In the absence of the congregation, the church has a very different atmosphere. There's an uncomfortable stillness. The lights are still on, but the statues create shadows that seem to fill the cavernous space and loom over me. I open the first set of doors and close them behind me and see that there's another set of doors to the entrance to the church. I have an uncomfortable sense of foreboding. I check the doors behind me. They're locked. That seems very strange to me. There should still be people cleaning up inside the building. I open the next set of doors and see that the iron gate in front of the church is locked with a giant padlock. And on top of the gate are large, sharp, club-like spears, making it impossible to climb over safely. There is no way for me to get out this way. I need to get the attention of the people inside the church to get out of the building. I ring the doorbell and then wait patiently for a few minutes. I may be trapped inside the grounds, but I don't want to be rude. This is my new church after all. I've got to make a good impression. I strain to see if, here if I can find somebody coming towards me. Nothing. Okay, I decide to call my friend who recommended the church. Maybe he'll know what to do. He's not responding. Guiltily, but now really concerned that I actually am trapped, I begin ringing the doorbell over and over again. Nothing. Okay. I steady my breathing. In, out. (sighs) Abruptly, the lights in the entrance room that I am in blink out. I call my friend again. My phone dies. I am in pitch black darkness. I breathe in, out, in, out. The darkness amplifies every sound. There is no one else inside this building except for me. But every creak, every drip whispers to me a different story. I need to get the hell out of here. Jolting out of the building, I fling myself at the fence, trying to get the attention of passers-by. A few probably thought I was trying to unsuccessfully rob the church. Eventually, this tourist couple stops and gives me their phone so I can dial 911. The police come 15 minutes later. The older police officer says to the other two that he's going to try to look around the building and orders them to stay with me. The two of them and myself stare at each other awkwardly for a few minutes, so uh how long have you guys been on the force? Five years, three years. Oh, wow, So you guys must have some really interesting stories. um uh, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Probably this <laughs> Really? <laughs> I mean, come on. What's the second weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Um, well, uh the other week this uh this guy tried to harass his ex-girlfriend by unleashing bees in her apartment. Wow. And you really think that this is weirder than that? This is uh pretty unusual, ma'am. The older police officer comes back and says that he can't find anyone, so he's going to call the station. I could be trapped here overnight. I ask him, isn't there a ladder? Doesn't anyone have just like a tall ladder? He ignores me and goes to make his phone call. The two other police officers begin strategizing how to get me over the fence. One of them thinks that I can climb it, using the wide column next to me. He climbs over the fence to my side and shows me how to put one foot on the base of the column, bring my other foot up, and then kick really high over the column and then climb over that way. He proceeds to climb back and forth over the column a few times, making it look relatively easy. He then says, It's your turn. Don't worry, we'll guide you through it, and we're here to catch you if you fall on the other side. Okay, I am a black belt in taekwondo. Yeah, this fence looks tall, and it's sharp, but I can do this. I put my one foot on the base of the column, put my other foot on the base of the column, and try to move around the column to get in position to hurl my foot over the fence. I make the mistake Of looking down. The marble stairs look incredibly sharp. I could cut my head open on those stairs. I'm a black belt in taekwondo, yes, but we kick. We don't climb. That's not something they teach us. I freeze and ask for my position on the column. Doesn't anyone have a ladder? Again, I think what's needed here is a ladder. The police officer sighs and says, yeah, it's okay. You know, I mean, I was a Marine for eight years, so I can see how it's easier for me. Why didn't he say that in the first place? Eventually, the older police officer returns, this time with the SWAT team, for those of you who do not know what the SWAT team is, these are the people that rescue you from terrorists, hostage situations, or crashed planes. I never thought one would have to rescue me from a church with a padlock. The the SWAT team brings out a blowtorch. I gasp. Is this really necessary? They begin... To uh, They begin to use the blowtorch on the lock. Sparks fly everywhere. I cringe. I am now responsible for the destruction of church property. Finally, I am free. I thank them profusely and sprint towards the subway, red with shame and embarrassment. The next morning, I find a voicemail from the church's pastor. He apologizes profusely. Ah, some welcome to the church that turned out to be. And he tells me that he hopes I will return. For a few weeks, I don't. But then I decide maybe I will give it another chance. I was looking for a place that I belonged. And clearly that evening was a sign that the church wanted me to stay.
0: thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith.